0: Must be 21 years or older to enjoy. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate responsibly. The sweet aromas of the apple fritter, cinnamon roll, and blueberry muffin are hard to resist. So making it the rest of the way home without
1: reaching in your McDonald's bag is no easy task. But nothing worth doing is easy.
0: Wake up and pair any one of these sweet, fluffy, frittery bakery treats with a McCafe iced coffee. Get any size and any flavor for just $0.99 until 11 a.m. Price and participation may vary. From your favorite source for Chicago White Sox Talk, delivering news, interviews,
1: analysis, and more. This is the Sox Machine Podcast with your hosts, Jim Margulis and Josh Nelson.
0: Thanks, Rob, and welcome to the Sox Machine Podcast, presented by Visit Arizona. Thinking about heading to spring training to see the Chicago White Sox? Make sure your first stop is at visitarizona.com slash spring training. I'm your host, Josh Nelson, and it's January 17th, 2019, as we record this episode Disclaimer We will be back to our normal Monday episodes starting on January 28th. As a heads up, on this episode, guess who we will be talking about? That's right, Avicil Garcia. I'm kidding. But uh, well, we'll chat about Avi signing with the Tampa Bay Rays, Adam Adevino signing with the New York Yankees, and how that compares to the White Sox signing Kelvin Herrera. But again, just like every week so far, dominating the conversation for the Chicago White Sox is their pursuit of Manny Machado. This time, though, it was the newsmakers making the news as Machado's agent, Dan Lozano, called out USA Today's Bob Nightingale and ESPN's Buster Olney for reporting inaccurate information, saying that the offer from the Chicago White Sox seven years for $175 million is false. Joining me is the host the podcast and managing editor of SoxMachine.com. It's Jim Margulis. And hello, Jim. There has been a lot written about what transpired on Wednesday and it dominated radio and TV talk on Thursday. The bottom line is it's disappointing that fans have to go through this ordeal. It's disappointing that no one can trust any of the information that's being reported You wrote on Machine that this conclusion where we have an agent publicly calling out two specific reporters was inevitable.
1: Why? It's just the length of it. Uh, When it comes to the news cycle, and and we've, you know, for years, I would say maybe 10 years of the internet era, you know, where he had Twitter and MLBTradeRumors.com, and and before then, when he had, you know, cable and such, you know, when he had a, a more accelerated news cycle you know, maybe you had this, this uh, free agent courtship period last four weeks, five weeks, um, you know, from early to mid-November to the winter meetings and early to mid-December. You know that's generally when all the action got done. And so you had enough time for, you know, maybe eight to 10 teams to express interest. And then those teams would get whittled down. Then you'd have some finalists. Then you'd have offers and counter offers. And, you know, at the end of this period, uh, where there's some kind of misinformation and posturing back and forth, you know, it all gets resolved in a relatively timely and, and, and painless fashion. But now when you have that four to five week period turning into eight to 10 to 12 weeks, that just leaves a lot of time, And especially in this situation with Machado and Harper, where you didn't have those, uh, you know, that pool of 10 teams get whittled down. Uh, it started with three to four teams. And now it's like maybe two to three teams. And it's been two to three teams for a month or longer. And it's been, you know, hovering between the seven years and the eight years and the 175 million and the 200 plus million. And nothing changes, and you just have these you know uh, you know these rumors that float out there for maybe two to three days beforehand but now last two to three weeks or a month. and I, I think that just leads to situations where fans get tired and and maybe GMs get tired and, and especially on the agent side because the teams ultimately decide when to sign a player. you know the players I imagine get really frustrated and so their representatives and so they feel like they need to do something to, try to reestablish the narrative uh in their favor if they feel it's unfair and i think that's just what happened here is that uh when you have this you know um you know alternating between lowballing and more respectable and then lowballing comes back for the fourth or fifth time in this whole process uh i imagine you the the fuses get shorter and somebody goes off and you know lozano writes what he writes and you know he's Benefited from misinformation before, so it's you know he's a little bit self righteous, but at the same time, this is pretty unprecedented for players this talented to have a market this small and you know the contracts relative to league earnings this low.
0: On this show, we share and source reporters because I think it's important for our listeners to understand where this news is coming from. I think we do a very good job of analyzing what is going on and having multiple conversations, looking at all angles of a situation, which we're currently doing right now, and try to answer the questions our listeners may have. But if there is a trust issue moving forward, Jim, with the national baseball writers, whatever they're reporting, whether it's sources from within the team, if it sources from agents, a new one that I'm starting to see is league sources, wherever they're getting this information. And after they vet it, and we're hoping that they are vetting it and that this information is being, you know, has a hint of truth to it. If, they're, if we're going to have trust issues with this reporting, it's just going to make talking about this sport a lot more difficult, Jim.
1: Oh yeah. And I, and I don't think it favors the writers either. I think they would love to go back to where, you know, if they happen to get information that was wrong or slanted against what actually happens, they would only be wrong for maybe two days, three days at most, you know, like say, you know, if, uh, in this situation in the old days, which is maybe, you know, four years ago where you have the white Sox and Phillies and, you know, say John Heyman says white Sox and, uh, only says, looks like Phillies. In terms of be Phillies, you know, White Sox fans will slag Heyman and other people will say, like, you know, Heyman's never right. But then Heyman will be right about a story later on and just everybody kind of returns to this zero-sum game to where uh, nobody's right 100% of the time. But sometimes, you know, guys get scooped and you have, uh, you know, uh, depending on which player and which agent, you know, uh, the standings kind of even out in the end. But in this case, you know, when you have these things dangling for so long. And you have, you know, Buster Olney and Bob Nightingale hearing one thing and Jeff Passan and uh, yeah, John Heyman hearing another. And it just, uh, you know, it just, it really sets in and and reporters are going to be wrong for longer. And, uh, you know, it's the nature of the business. And this is supposed to be fun. You know, this is kind of entertainment. And this is part of the entertainment in the off season is trying to you know, read the tea leaves and, and understand who's posturing and who's you know, sneaking in and who's uh, you know who's unlikely and and which reporter is hearing from what. You know, it's kind of fun and ultimately it's harmless. But the longer it goes on and the longer these guys just kind of hang out there and the longer this information dangles, you know, it does lead to reporters being wronger. <laughs> and I think that's just <laughs> ultimately um, it, it's not fun for them. It's not fun for us. And uh, it does just make the whole thing more frustrating and and less fun, you know, and given that sports is entertainment, fun is, you know, a big part of it.
0: So Bob Nyingale went on hot stove on MLB network Thursday morning, and he's not backing down from his reporting that it is a seven year, $175 million offer from the Chicago White Sox. He actually snickered when asked about the eight year, $250 million saying that there's just no way that exists. And then you have reporters like, you know, Jeff Paston won ESPN 1000, and he's not backing down. He's hearing eight years. He's getting helping uh, as far as with sources from Hector Gomez, again, the reporter from the Dominican Republic, who broke the story about Wellington Castillo being suspended for blood doping. And Hector Gomez is hearing from the Dominican Republic that it's an eight-year, $250 million deal. And this is where, again, everyone on Twitter or in the Sox Machine comments or just in conversations right now, talk about the White Sox. We don't know what's true. Well, you know, we often say maybe it's somewhere in the middle, right? Maybe in between seven and eight years. So whatever, seven or eight years, and the dollar amount is between one hundred seventy-five to two hundred fifty million. Now, I have a couple of crazy ideas, Jim. Mm-hmm. One, I don't think the seven-year, one hundred seventy-five million dollar offer. Is all that crazy? Because I I see a lot of White Sox fans being upset. I do not think Manny Machado is going to agree to a seven year, $175 million deal. Uh, But I can understand why the White Sox, why it would be reported the White Sox would make that offer. Because $25 million a year is what John Carl Stan is getting. Obviously, Stan's deal was 13 years. For $25 million per season, which adds up to $325 million. But $25 million a season is what Stan's getting. The top paid shortstop in 2019 right now is Brandon Crawford and Elvis Andrews. They're both gonna make $15 million. So if the White Sox are signing Machado to be the shortstop at $25 million, that's $10 more million dollars than what the second place guys are making in 2019. But if the White Sox wanted to be a third baseman, we know about Josh Donaldson's one-year $23 million deal with the Atlanta Braves. And Nolan Arenado is currently in arbitration right now. He wants $30 million. The Rockies submitted a $24 million deal. They will most likely go to court and unless they can settle between now and the arbitration court dates in February. Nolan Arenado is going to get either 24 or $30 million. So maybe $25 million would be the highest paid third baseman. Uh, depending on how arbitration goes. So, again, $25 million for Manny Machado. When you look at it through this lens, it's what John Carl Stant's making, which seemed to be the bar for this free agency. Uh, it's $10 million more than the second-place shortstops uh, for most money at that position. It could be the most money also at third base. Now, I believe, Jim, that Machado deserves $30 million plus a season, uh, so I can understand uh, I, I, the when I heard the news, it was a little bit disappointing just because I thought it wasn't enough. Now, here's my crazy idea, Jim, breaking down the seven year, one hundred seventy five million dollar deal where I think that it, it could be valid. What if the reporters that are saying the White Sox offer is seven years, one hundred seventy five million and the reporters that are reporting that it's eight year, two hundred fifty million dollars. We're both correct. What? Let me explain. And this comes from Andy Martino of Sportsnet New York. And this is what he reported on Thursday. From Martino, quote, The sides have at least discussed a contract structure that would allow Chicago to exercise an option after year three that would trigger team control for an eighth or ninth year, according to major league sources. This probably accounts for some of the confusion over whether Machado has a seven- or eight-year offer on the table. He has likely been offered a contract that could be either. In that structure, Machado would get to opt out after 2021 if the team doesn't opt in. End quote. This idea is now called a swell opt, coined by none other Scott Boris. When he, I know, <laughs> great reaction, Jim. <laughs> when he has a clumsy portmanteau. <laughs> when he helped negotiate U.C. Kikuchi's deal with Seattle. For those that don't know the details, it's really unique. Kikuchi is getting forty-three million dollars over the next three years. So the average salary is fourteen point three three million dollars. The fourth year is where it gets interesting. There is a thirteen million dollar player option that Kikuchi can opt in. However. Seattle can exercise a four-year option for $66 million, which boosts Kikuchi's salary to $16.5 million a season. If Seattle did that, the total deal for Kikuchi would be seven years, $109 million. So Jim, let's say the White Sox follow this model of the swell opt. The base is a seven-year, $175 million deal. But after the 2021 season, after year three, Manny Machado can decide to opt out to become a free agent again at age 29. Both parties could decide to stick with the current contract. Or door number three, the Chicago White Sox can opt in in a five-year, $175 million option which would boost Manny Machado's pay from $25 million to $35 million a season and would push Machado's contract to eight years, $250 million. This is where I think both parties could be right. They would opt in, of course, if Machado produces in his first three years. And if the market changes because you got Nolan Arenado, Anthony Rendon, and a couple of years, it's going to be Francisco Lindor and Chris Bryant. These guys are going to help reset the market at least not for total contract, but per season, money-wise, that if the market is 35 million, the White Sox could opt in this five-year, 175 million dollar deal and continue to keep Manny Machado. Or Machado can opt down so you can get more. That's where I could see everyone is right. There is a seven-year, 175 million dollar deal, and there could be an eight-year 250 million dollar deal. But the structure isn't what we originally thought. Jim, I know this may sound crazy. We may have lost people along the way when trying to explain this. But what do you think about this type of contract setup, this swell opt that the White Sox could possibly be offering to Manny Machado?
1: I think it makes more sense than straight seven, 175. I think maybe 35 is a bit too high for. The start of a period where a player is, you know, past his theoretical physical prime, you know, maybe that comes down a little bit. Or maybe it's structured to where he's paid more in the middle, but, you know, maybe the last years of it are maybe a little bit uh, tapered. But I can see something like that just because I think it does. Uh, it, it gives Machado some incentive to retest the market. It gives the White Sox some incentive to where they get his, uh, you know, they get him for the immediate term. And then they also, you know, they're not completely. Short a third baseman if he opts out and they need to go back and look for a market rate third baseman again. So I can see that benefiting both sides. The one, yeah, I guess the one reservation I have, or at least the one thing that doesn't quite make sense to me, is that if Machado is amenable to such a deal where a team can get out from under him after three years or so, why aren't more teams in on that? Because I think a lot of teams can use him for that period of time, like say the Padres. You know, I think all of a sudden he makes a lot of sense for the Padres. We're looking for a third baseman. Um, yeah, it makes sense for the a team like the Yankees or Dodgers or or you know, like any team that is flirting with luxury tax and you know is okay with going over for one or two years, but then maybe would like to not be in luxury tax hell forever. You know I, I think it, it makes more sense there. So that's I guess my one reservation or at least still the question I have for the league is that it seems you know that 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 whole feature seems ultimately team friendly, even if the player does get something out of it. So, you know, why is it still White Sox, Phillies, shadow Yankees The The mystery team has won the bidding before
0: for a Dan Lozano client, right? Albert Pujols comes to mind. A lot of people did not know that the angels were in the running Hmm. until 36 hour window where all of a sudden they decided we're going to get Albert Pujols. Like, someone could come in the last minute. You mentioned the San Diego Padres. I think that Mm -hmm. they are the mystery team. Hmm. I I think they could be definitely involved. They need a third baseman. Now, there's a lot of speculation that they are trying to create this three-team trade in which they obtain Corey Kluber from Cleveland, and then they take Corey Kluber and they trade Kluber to the Yankees for Miguel Andujar. Uh, Or they could trade Kluber to Cincinnati for Nick Senzel. Uh, That is what is currently being reported out of San Diego uh, in the last few days, that there's that three-team possibility uh, for where Corey Kluber could either be a New York Yankee or a Cincinnati Red. Very interesting. Uh, Totally opposite. (laughs) It's like Matt Harvey, except... (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Uh, So I I think San Diego, because we saw San Diego last year, come out of the blue and sign Eric Hosmer. Uh, so they would be kind of repeating what they did last year, just coming out of nowhere to sign a free agent to a value of a contract that nobody was expecting the Padres uh to bid. But we'll see i I think a deal, a contract structure like this could work, and it is crazy, but i do I could see where everybody that's reporting is right. Yes. What the White Sox offered is seven years, $175 million. But that's the base. There could be opportunities where the contract does grow to $250 million, depending on uh, opt-in situations, player options, club options, etc. So we'll see. Uh, at this point though, it's probably best just to wait until we get a press release (laughs) or we hear that Manny Machado has decided where he's going to play and he's reporting on his way to get a physical, uh, and then we'll get details then. But a popular question that I've been getting Jim is when will this be over? When will this happen? And, I think it's not gonna happen until February now. I could see this dragging out into February, which would make Soxfest uh quite interesting. How about you? When do you think we're gonna be done with this?
1: I think February seems likely, although I think when you see the record of players who end up, you know, signing into spring training, uh Buster only kind of put together a list, you know, starting with Steven Drew and Kendris Morales and going into uh you know all the way to Alex Cobb and uh, just for whatever reason, whether it's uh luck and, and just the way it happens to unravel, or whether it is a matter of just having a stunted start to the season, that players who sign in the middle of spring training and, and go from one of those impromptu camps uh you know to uh you know the middle of spring training just don't have that great of seasons and, and kinda it's it's a wash and, and they need a mulligan. So it seems like I, I don't think either of them wants it to drag to where they're starting the season behind, even though they are talented players. It just seems like there might be a stigma against that. So, um, but given, yeah, this, the slow pace, um, SoxFest seems unlikely. I guess I'll say after SoxFest, you know, it could mean you know January 29th or something like that, but uh, it seems unlikely given, uh, you know, this, this complicated contract and just how, you know, like we're talking about that if, you know, these opt outs. And, uh, if the base pay is that low, it seems like more teams might have a chance to get in on it.
0: But you know, I do think people make a good point when looking at last year that never came to fruition for a player like JD Martinez.
1: Yeah. But you know, again, you know, uh, with, with the thing that's confusing, especially with Machado being an elite defender at third base and an okay defender at shortstop, yeah. you know, you have, you have Martinez who's probably best at a DH and, So that eliminates half the teams. So, you know, that's where it gets a little bit, uh, you know, you're you're counting on who needs a corner outfielder, who needs, who can absorb a substandard corner outfielder. And, you know, that's kind of how it shakes down. But I think with, you know, Machado, he's appealing to basically all 30 teams.
0: That, that is a very good point, Jim. It's just, it's really weird throughout Major League Baseball. Craig Edwards wrote a great piece on Fangraphs.com. Analyzing the spending right now for Major League Baseball, and it looks like that 2018 uh, could be very similar to 2017, maybe a slight bump, but not as much in payroll spending in 2018 as there was in 2016. Uh, So teams are not spending a lot of money. Right now, only 12 teams have a higher payroll today than they did on opening day of 2018. Mm-hmm. And surprisingly, the Chicago White Sox are one of those twelve teams. Eighteen yeah. teams have a payroll below what they had at opening day.
1: I saw Aaron Gleeman, uh baseball prospectus editor and uh you know, longtime twins blogger and podcaster. You know, he's talking about the you know, the twins and this whole offseason he's been expecting them to, you know, make a significant addition to the bullpen and seeing all these guys come off the board and he's looking at the payroll and saying that, you know, they Joe Mauer is off the con, you know, he's off the books. And they're they're still running an eight-figure payroll. I think ninety-eight million. He said their opening day payroll is for a team that you know made a run at the postseason. Uh, yeah, you know, had postseason aspirations, made the wild card a couple of years back. Um, and it's just weird that you know they're not capitalizing on this in a weak division, and they're still spending less than they did, did when Maurer was in the books, and everybody's complaining about, you know, how he was uh you know, preventing the Twins from spending more, and so it is a really weird situation around the league and it does seem like something's up. 2021's going to be fun.
0: Yay. All right. Uh, we have other major league baseball news to chat about, but before we do that, a quick word from our sponsor, visit Arizona. If you didn't know by now, winter storm Harper is coming and we'll dump a bunch of snow in the Midwest and Northeast of the country. I don't know about you, but I hate getting cabin fever. And if you do too, you should follow the White Sox to Arizona for a Cactus League spring training. Amazing weather and landscapes, exciting outdoor adventure, and incredible food. Arizona is the perfect home base for baseball fans. Arizona is a -a one-of-a-kind spring training experience with all 10 stadiums within 50 miles of Phoenix. And you can check out amazing restaurants and great craft breweries like Four Peaks, Angel's Trumpet Ale House, and Goldwater Brewing Company. Bring the kids along, as Arizona is a fantastic destination for families with resorts and hotels offering plenty of fun like water parks, horseback rides, and really activities for all kids of all ages. And don't forget bucket list items like visiting the Grand Canyon and Monument Valley. Forget dealing with cabin fever in Chicago this winter. Instead, make your way to Arizona this spring. Plan your spring training getaway at visitarizona.com slash spring training. Again, that's visitarizona.com slash spring training. The most recent transaction in Major League Baseball was former Colorado Rockies reliever Adam Adovino signing with the New York Yankees for a three-year $27 million deal. And Jim, I really liked Adovino uh, after after he made the transformation last year. Uh, especially with that slider, Uh, it seems like he has staying power. Despite his age, a lot of people have been saying, well, he's at, what, 32, 33 years old. Uh, Maybe last year was a fluke. I don't think so. Uh, I think pitchers can age well, or at least better than position players. And when you have that type of slider that he showed last year, uh, I think he can still be deadly in high-leverage situations. I figured, though, he would do better than nine million dollars a season, which is what the White Sox signed Kelvin Herrera to. How do you like this deal for the Yankees, and how does this deal compare to the White Sox offer for Herrera?
1: I think it's you know a relatively fair deal for Adevino. I think his strikeouts you know were through the roof last year, and so he's got that going for him. He does have a couple of chief weaknesses though. Uh, the walks are higher than he would like, um, and that's one thing that you know it's kind of a fine line and. Uh, I think you saw it in the postseason and, and September where just, you know, when you have a walk that starts an inning, uh, it kind of brings up the second weakness is that he's terrible at holding base runners. So it's a weird situation where like, yeah, if you striking guys out and, you know, say if he strikes out one or, you know, averages at one and a half strikeouts an inning and doesn't really have to worry about that leadoff runner getting on, then great. But if he's, you know, has a rough patch where, you know, all of a sudden he's giving up a base runner, you know. Better than a base runner inning, you know, maybe stuff piles up on him and he's not the best or most secure high-leverage guy. So I think maybe that and his age and his, you know, I guess relatively recent conversion to dominant relief. Um, you know, maybe makes him less of a, you know, I guess a huge investment than other guys. Um also I think it's probably for Outavino. he's a New York guy. Uh fangrafts wrote an article about how he's got this pitching lab, this self-made pitching lab in Manhattan. Uh, just kind of got a, rented a storefront, turned it into a, uh, a pitching center where he can study his metrics and uh, his arm angle and, and everything like that. You know, probably a situation where he was happy going to New York, and so maybe if the White Sox wanted to get him, they would have to pony up a bit more. So I think you know, maybe it's not, you know, all things being equal isn't really a factor here, and it's more that uh, things were tilted in the uh, Yankees' favor. Um To sign him to maybe a slightly more agreeable deal than he would have gotten elsewhere.
0: That bullpen for the New York Yankees is scary.
1: Yeah, and he doesn't have to be in 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 a a bullpen like that. He doesn't have to be the eighth or ninth inning guy. He can be a seventh inning guy. He can come in with the bases clean. Uh, They can really save him for his most comfortable situations.
0: Yeah, the Yankees I think have done a good job improving their pitching staff. I like James Paxton. I think he could do well for the Yankees this year. They brought Jay Happ back to pair with Luis Severino and Masahiro Tanaka. All, you know they also signed Zach Britton. A lot of people forget about that. Uh, and you know, add him with Dylan um, Betances and Araldis Chapman, Chad uh, Green. Yeah, I mean, we can't forget about old friend Tommy Canely as well. Uh, if Canely can bounce back, that's just a, it's such a deep bullpen. It's a bullpen built to win. A seven-game series for sure. So, be interesting to see on how the Yankees do Uh, in in 2019. They won 100 games last year, uh, but they uh, obviously did not win the American League East. That was the World Champion Boston Red Sox. But right now, word out of Boston is is that they definitely need bullpen help, and they're not quite sure where they're going to get it. Uh, Craig Kimbrell is still available, Um, but it didn't really sound like the Red Sox were all that eager for a reunion. So, be interesting to see what Boston does on the bullpen front if they do anything. But right now uh, I really like the Yankees bullpen. I think they've done a lot this off season to, to really make themselves deeper and a stronger team. Staying in the American league East, obviously to counter what the New York Yankees are doing, the Tampa Bay Rays decided <laughs> to sign obviously Garcia yeah. to a, to a one year, three and a half million dollar deal. Now it does have a chance to bump up to $6 million, with the performance incentives. So Avi is now with the Tampa Bay Rays. We can close the chapter for Avi with the Chicago White Sox. So Jim, does this mean that Avi's going to hit 30 home runs in 2019?
1: Depends on the playing time and how strictly he's platooned. If he's purely facing lefties and getting the occasionally start in right field, but mostly the DH platoon probably won't get the playing time to do it. But I can see him being an effective platoon bat. I can see, you know, given how he was getting better at pulling the ball for power and the the Rays seemingly have a knack for finding the guys who have power and getting them to tap into it a bit more, I can see it being successful. But I think with Avi, you know, the, you know that's one problem he has. The other problem is health. You know, even when he's going great, he has the uh, tendency, you know, with his... Uh, I guess high impact style play to pull up lame or take a bad step or take a bad dive and uh all of a sudden he's you know on the DL for 3 weeks and maybe a little bit uh you know like 90 80% for weeks after that. So I think it's with him it's a two front war and so it made sense for the White Sox to move on but I can see the Rays catching lightning in a bottle for sure. Yeah it'd be it'd be interesting. The other rumor
0: is that the Rays are entertaining the idea of signing Matt Davidson to be a two-way player. So I know that was a a popular idea towards the end of 2018. Would the White Sox give Matt Davidson more opportunities to pitch in games while helping out as DH, first base, and third base? Uh, Obviously, uh, that answer to that question was no, because the White Sox didn't tender Matt Davidson a contract. But if the Rays decide to sign Matt Davidson, Jim, I will look at Avi and Davidson's situation and say they fell up. They got non-tendered hmm. by a 100-loss team, and there's the possibility that both guys could sign with a team that won more than 90 games last year and could be a wildcard dark horse in the American League in 2019.
1: Maybe. Yeah, I could see for, you know, depending on how you approach it, you know, team versus opportunity. I think for Avi, you know, I think uh, with the White Sox, he's getting every day playing time. With the Rays, probably not. Same thing for Davidson. Um, so maybe, you know, depending on whether they're trying to, um, you know, get a taste of the postseason or trying to set themselves up for free agency, you know, I guess you can look at it either way. But I think with the Rays, you know, seeing what they're doing with Davidson, I wonder if they're kind of using him as a guinea pig for Brandon McKay. Um, you know, they drafted him as a, you know, potential two-way player and, and really haven't committed one way or the other. And so maybe they're kind of using him to see what the real-world ramifications and limitations are for a player trying to be adequate at both. That's um, <laughs> just one thing that came to mind. Just, you know, if you are if you have your 1st first, uh, first-round pick, And you don't want to completely set them up for failure. Maybe you run a guy who is ultimately disposable. You know, maybe you throw a million at him or something like that. Um, And just understand the toll it takes on the body, on preparation, on, you know, an arm for a guy who's not, uh, you know, trained to be a full workload pitcher. You know, maybe just see what ultimately happens before you subject somebody who's more important to your future to that whole grind.
0: That's a really good point be a, a nice case study, a, a, an experiment. You know, break Matt Davidson. That's fine. Uh.
1: <laughs> yeah. and 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 you know, that kind of sounds cruel, but at the same time, you know, Davidson's a fringe player. And I think it's an opportunity that benefits him, too. So I, I think he wants to kind of be a guinea pig to see if he can break the mold and be his own unique case who's not really comparable to anybody and and you can kind of carve a future for him for me longer than being a below average third baseman below average dh would be for him
0: yeah well we'll see if the rays do decide to set sign matt davidson i just got a kick that uh the book is closed avi has left the white Sox
1: and is now with the tampa bay rays i would call it a within the median outcome for avi disappointing, but I think within the reasonable set of outcomes that could have happened to his career.
0: Yeah. It, uh, he did not turn out to be the next Miguel Cabrera.
1: <laughs> yeah. But given his injuries and given how some scouts were so down on him, he could have really flamed out too. So that he had a one all-star season and, you know, the injuries and such, that's probably within one standard deviation of his average career. If you could simulate it a billion times.
0: Yep. Well, the white Sox are moving on and, uh, mm-hmm. be interesting to see if the rays do make it into the postseason. And let's say they do have to face the Yankees in a one game playoff. And it's James Paxton on the mound for the Yankees. Uh, we could see Avi <laughs> having some, uh, postseason at bats wouldn't that be something white Sox fans
1: (laughs) (laughs) just everybody getting to the postseason ahead of them
0: yep exactly exactly well that will do it for this edition of the socks machine podcast thank you guys so much for listening I do want to let everybody know uh, for our SoxFest after party that we are hosting on Friday, January 25th from 7 p.m. to midnight at Buffalo Wings and Rings on 35th and Halstead. Uh, We have sold out. Uh, We have 150 people that have RSVP'd. Now, if you're still interested in going uh, because plans have changed and you are going to SoxFest and you'd still like to attend, shoot me an email at josh at socksmachine.com and I can add you to the waiting list. Uh, the reason we had 150 people is because space is limited. Uh people RSVP and things change and they decide not to show up. So definitely shoot me an email. We'll give more uh details as far as the night. We're gonna have trivia there's gonna be an opportunity to win gift cards to, to pay for your guys's tab. Jim will be there. I will be there. We'll also have other White Sox blogs be there. Of course, our friends from the 108 are going to be there. Uh, we're going to have an expert roundtable. James Feegan of the Athletic is going to be there. Uh, he was our podcast uh, podcast guest last week. Uh, it's going to be a great time. If you went to last year's Sox Fest after party, uh, it was a blast, and uh, it'll be just as much fun this year as well. So, hope to see everyone next Friday at Buffalo Wings. And rings, and also uh, to let you know, our listeners, if you do like the show and our content at socksmachine.com, you can sign up to help support Socks Machine by signing up to be a friend of the podcast and the friend of the site at patreoncom machine Jim just recently answered a bunch of questions from our Patreon supporters in a PO socks mailbag on socksmachine.com, so that's a great example of the additional content. That your $2 or $3 or $5 a month, depending on how much you want to support us, uh, what you can get, uh, podcast listeners get an opportunity to ask additional questions in PO socks and ask questions to our guests, and they also get an ad-free copy of the show. So if those things interest you and you really enjoy your work, again, go to patreon.com slash Machine to sign up today to help support Socks Machine, the site, and the podcast. If you just discovered the Sox Machine podcast, you can listen to us in a variety of ways. One is through iTunes. Another is Spotify. We're also in Google Podcasts and audioboom.com slash Machine. The Sox Machine podcast is a production of SoxMachine.com. Your home for all things Chicago White Sox baseball. Alongside Jim Margulis, I'm Josh Nelson. Thanks for listening. When you rely on the internet for everything, you need speed that can handle anything. And now Xfinity delivers Wi-Fi speed faster than a gig. Check out our amazing offers on internet and learn about the latest
1: breakthrough from Xfinity. Wi-Fi speed faster than a gig. That's more than enough speed to power all your devices and then some. Go online, call 1-800-XFINITY or visit a store today to learn more. Restrictions apply. Gig Wi-Fi requires gig speed and compatible X-Fi gateway. Actual speeds vary, not guaranteed.